Well, good morning. Um, I am so excited to be here with you today. Uh, and I'm going to just take this time that we have to share with you a little bit about sort of my story. Uh, some of you know certain parts of it. Some of you have entered into my life in different phases, so you may know parts of it and not all of it. So I'm going to take some time to share with you my story and then end talking about what I believe um, God has designed for his church. And so that's where we're going to go today. First, I want to start by showing you a picture of my family. Um, here they are. Uh, those are my three girls. Um, Cecily is eight, and she will be in third grade. And she is, um, just has the sweetest heart. She's a bundle of energy and more extroverted than anyone in all the land. So if you've ever talked with her, she's told you pretty much everything about us. And so I appreciate that. Haley is four, and she is the very opposite. Um, I remember we went to uh, Disney on Ice, and Cecily said, someday I'm going to be down there ice skating. And Haley said, can we go home? That, that was kind of her. And so they have very different temperaments. But Haley is very smart and um, has just a very keen sense of intelligence, so I'm excited to see what God does with her life. And then Mercy is our littlest, and she just turned two February 5th. And so our lives are full of Daniel Tiger and Barbies, and a little bit of chaos and sticky kitchen floor is <laughs> kind of what would happen if you came to my home. Um, this is my husband, Joel, and many of you know him as well. He's down here on the front. Joel, just wave. Okay. <laughs> and um, yeah, give him a round of applause. Um, Joel is uh, the best husband and father and pastor that I've ever known. The best husband I've ever known, actually, it's good. Um, he, he has such a selfless heart. He is such a hard worker. He, he sacrifices so much um, to allow me to pursue the call of God on my own life. And together, um, God uses us in such a way, a teamwork way, that I could never have dreamed. Only God could have designed. And so um, he is just awesome. He's running, currently running Edinburgh Kyalfa. Um, out at Edinburgh University, and many of you see students that come each week and hear about that. Many of you have supported it for years, and um, it's just awesome, so he's doing that now. So, um, Well, I brushed my teeth twice today, and I put on my favorite shirt um, because I knew that I was sort of coming to tasked with the um, idea of sharing the vision and the values for Erie First. Um, and next Sunday, if you are a member of this uh, community of faith, you'll have the opportunity after service uh, about noon to vote um, for a lead pastor to affirm the council's decision or to um, vote no. And um, you will have an opportunity, you'll have a voice into the future decision of lead pastor. And so I want to remind you um, to mark that on your calendars. And we'll do that just following uh, the service um, about 12 o'clock next weekend. Um, my family and I have not taken this day lightly. I would not say I ever dreamed I would be in this particular morning of my life. Uh, it has come as um, a pleasant surprise in a lot of ways to us as well. Um, and although I have prepared and prayed and planned for what I'm going to say today, I strongly believe that um, today and next week have very little to do with what I'm going to share in the next 30 minutes or so. And, and I believe that it is very much to do with what the Holy Spirit of God is going to speak to your heart. 
And so what we've been praying and what I'm praying this morning is that you hear his voice more clear than you ever had this morning. I so appreciate the word that, that came from over here that God gave someone for our church body because my heart this morning was to hear from God so clearly. And so God put inside uh, that man over here the, the word that, that he wanted our body to hear and he shared it faithfully and, be, and we, we are gleaning from that. And that's what I'm hoping today happens with each of us. And I pray that you would hear it, not just for our church, that's really important, but also for your own life and for your own journey and your family's journey on your walk with Jesus. And so it is that voice I trust, no, no other voice. It is in that voice I trust. And Luke 137 says, for no word of God will ever fail. No word of God will ever fail. So in that setting, would you just open your hands like this? Let's just pray this morning. Father, we come to you and Lord, all we want is you. All this is for you. And so, God, we ask that you would show us very clearly the things that you want for this church, the things you want for our lives. God, that we would receive it. We would receive it in a way that is so clear and so real that we cannot deny it. And, Father, that your word that comes will not fail. We believe that to be true. And so today we're asking for your voice, and we trust it. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Um, so, uh, like I said, I want to share a little bit about who I am and my story. And so, um, Joel and I both grew up in Erie County. Um, we attended Seneca High School. Go Bobcats. All right, so uh, it's a small county school. Um, we both have incredible families. Um, our parents um, are, were just so great, hardworking, um, loving people. I learned how to be um, independent, work hard for my achievements, not take things for granted. Uh, our parents taught us how to be all that God designed us to be and, and just really um, believed in us every step of the way. Um, Joel grew up here. He got saved in the kids' ministry here. Um, he camped with the Royal Rangers and, wait for it, first place, javelin throw, 1994. <laughs> Look at this. I was going to make him wear it. <laughs> uh, I was introduced to Christ um, when I was about 14 at a Christian camp in Edinburgh, um, and I gave my life to Jesus uh, that week at that camp. But when I came back home, I was very interested in faith, but I had no idea uh, how to walk that out. I had no idea what it actually meant to be a disciple of Jesus. And so, insert Joel Schreiber, stage left. Um, pastor Kevin Taylor was here at the time, and uh, he was the youth pastor, and he told Joel to invite friends. And so he came to school, and he invited me, and I naturally couldn't resist, and so I came. Um, and when I came to Erie first, uh, I really learned how to live for Jesus here. Uh, Pastor Kevin Taylor, um, Jeff and Deb Newber, uh, and many others were so instrumental in my faith development. Um, I learned how to pray. I learned how to read the word. I learned how to worship. I learned how to sacrifice. I learned how to give. I learned how to memorize. I learned how to be part of the Great Commission all right, right here. I learned how to, um, how to lean into Jesus when things were difficult, how to celebrate when things were good. And, and in those moments, and the people that are sitting here today, they invested in Joel and I, and we became uh, the man and woman of God that we are today. And so it was a huge part of who I am and, and who we are and what God has us in this moment. Um, so I went to college uh, for English education at a state school called Southwest Missouri State University, 
Uh, it may or may not have been in the same town as the boy I liked. So um, Joel went to Central Bible College, and so we were in Springfield, Missouri uh, together. I always had a passion to teach, and I love uh, to read and to write. It's a really uh, just a, a passion of mine. Um, when I got there, when I got to college, I didn't know anybody, so I got plugged into a campus ministry um, called Chi Alpha. And that group of believers uh, really took me to a whole new level of commitment to God. Um, Joel was at Bible college, and Bible colleges are good, but his particular group of friends were just trying to figure out how to break the rules. <laughs> like they had all these, how can we get in the dorm after it's locked at night, you know? They were trying to figure that out. And then meanwhile, my friends uh, at the state school we were raising money to feed villages of orphans, you know? We were, we were willingly imposing curfews on ourselves so we could get out of temptation. We were worshiping in the middle of campus until people were making fun of us. We were giving up our spring break to serve other people. Uh, we were just making real fellowship a priority. And so it was such a, a huge part of my growth, too, in my relationship with God as I went to a place where I didn't have to serve God, but I watched as these people chose in an environment that didn't lend itself to that way. And God really did a huge work in my life there. And so kind of long story short, I graduated with a, a bachelor's degree. I did my student teaching and in that moment, realized that that particular uh, English teaching wasn't God's call on my life, though it's a very important calling. Um, and through a series of significant events that included um, specific words from people and, and praying until I was blue in the face and, and looking at opportunities and, and things like that, um, we decided to pursue Chi Alpha because it was such an influential part of my life. Um, and we moved to Washington, D.C., um, and uh, we went to an internship there. And Joel and I, we had just got married. We moved to Washington, D.C. We lived in an apartment about this big for like $2,000 a month because it is so uh, expensive to live there. I remember that one time we argued um, in our first year of marriage. I would go in the bathroom and he would go in the living room. There's only two rooms in the house. We'd be like, I need some space. <laughs> Someone had to sit in the living room because there wasn't any space to go. Um, and so we just had an incredible time there um, learning from actually Mike and Jen Godswa, who many of you know are from this church. Joy Godswa is their, their mom. And, um, and we really learned how to do ministry there, how to, how to you know, figure out things when we, they didn't go as we expected. Uh, really was able to live out these principles that we had learned. Um, also, during that time, um, I got my Bible, uh, took my Bible classes, Bible degree from Global University online. And so I was working sort of through all of those classes online. And, and there was um, classes we would go to as interns that we would discuss those things together. And um, we graduated from the internship and we came back to Erie and planted the first Chi Alpha right here in Erie in 20, 2005. And um, yeah, cool. So in fact, um, some of the people sitting in this room right now came to our first Chi Alpha meeting in 2005. Some of you were there in that moment. And I remember going to the dorm. Um, in fact, I know Amber is here. Uh, I would go to the uh, Edinburgh University, and it would be me and two girls. And I remember we would sing a cappella songs because none of us knew how to sing. Uh, and then we would read First Kings because that's what God had laid on our heart to study. And I would say to them, you know, you guys, you know what God can do on this campus? 
Do, I, I'm believing in what God can do on this campus. You know what God can do on this campus? And they would look at me like, this woman is crazy. <laughs> there are three of us, you know? And I would say, God's going to rip through this campus. You're never even going to know what happened. The, the, the seeds you're planting, the prayers you're praying, he's using in the future. And they would sort of look at me like, this, okay. And now, if you were to go over there on a Thursday night, almost between 150 and 200 students are meeting there weekly in worship. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. There's, a, there's 12, just currently, and, and changes every year, there are 12 small groups that open up the Word of God in dorms and, and cafeteria and library all across that campus, and the Word of God is spreading up. You know, you can't take eight steps until someone's got a Kyle shirt on out there, and you're like, oh, you go, you go, you know. God has just ripped through that place, and he is doing amazing things. Talk to Joel if you want to know more, because just this year, 70 students are going out of the country to international missions trips through Kyle Just this year, just 2017, um, we've had people get healed of of, of physical ailments because of what God is doing. And so he's just really amazing. And the labor and the work of tilling the ground and then watching God grow the seed was perhaps the most discipling process I've ever been on. That when things got really, really hard, Joel and I would look at each other and say, we just can't quit though because there's kingdom work to be done. This is, this is hard. This is sometimes difficult. I won't say we didn't you know, put the covers over our heads sometimes and say, God, what are you doing? But we knew that there was nothing else we could possibly do but this with our life because we believed so much in the purpose that the kingdom of God must go forward and he gives us the, the, the message to take there. Um, so I finished my Bible degree at Global University and Joel and I uh, got ordained with the Assemblies of God together in 2012. And it was just an awesome experience to be able to do it together, where we stood before the presbyters and the leadership of the Assemblies of God, and we accepted the call to serve together. And that was just an amazing moment for us as a couple and, and in our family. Um, after that, um, we did Kyle for several more years. Most recently, I had uh, the honor of working at Elevate Church for just under a year uh, a thriving church in this community. It was a great experience to just learn so much about how they do things. And then last October, I began to serve here at Erie First Assembly uh, on staff officially. So as you are probably aware, there were some pretty major changes that happened pretty quickly when I began, none of which I knew of were coming in any way. I just accepted what I felt like God had asked me to do and to come serve. In fact, um, when I've been praying to the Lord about whether I should uh, come serve here, I felt the Lord say to me, go home, go home. And I said, okay. And, and, and I came and then uh, things unfolded pretty quickly. And I will say, I had, I've had some conversations with God that sounded a lot like conversations between God and Moses. I want to take us to Exodus 4 where God is sending Moses to his people. God is saying, okay, Moses, you're going to go. And verse 10, Moses says to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. Um, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord says to him, who gave human beings their mouth? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? It is... It, is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. And I said, like Moses, God, 
me? Are you sure you got the right person? Like, really? Are you, are you sure it's me that you're, that, that you're asking to do this? Are you sure you got the right person? And, and over and over, God kept bringing to mind, literally, countless conversations that I have had with people, that I have stood before people over the last 12 years of ministry, and I have said to them this, that God himself, the creator of the universe, over and over again, tells story after story in the scripture about men and women who are the underdogs. People who don't appear qualified, who don't have the best skills or the most impressive talents, people who don't have a lot of money or the cleanest past, people like Moses who stand before God and say, um, I don't speak really well, here's all my weaknesses, And he uses their stories and their messy lives to make God's name great. And that is what he does. That's what he does over and over and over. That's the scripture I've taught these college students for over a decade. And and God was just reminding me, do you believe what what I've been telling you to say all these years? Do you believe it for you? And, And I think ultimately, this is why God uses those kind of people. Because it isn't about any of us. It isn't about how eloquently we can speak or how impressive that we can be. God asks asks us to do two things in our life, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Remember when he asked, uh, someone asked Jesus, what's the bottom line, man? And that's what he said. And that is my number one priority, is that wherever I find myself, wherever God sets Joel and I, that our priority is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and to love our neighbors that same way. A few years ago, um, at a conference I was at, I felt the Lord really specifically say to me, just keep saying yes. I'll get you where I want you to go. Just keep saying yes. So my goal since then has been every day to just say yes to him. Yes, yes, God, I'll go. I'll put my yes on the table even before I realize what I'm signing up for (laughs) because I trust you and I will say yes to you. God, if that's where you're going to send me and you're going to go with me, then you will equip me and you will teach me what to say and help me to speak, just like he said to Moses. And like God said to Moses in Exodus 4, his Holy Spirit will always equip us every single step of the way. And I want to tell you that I have felt a very humbling, humbling feeling, but a very specific and significant calling on my life to serve as lead pastor here at Erie First. It has been almost surprising to me, but I believe that God has very specifically asked me to at least put myself before you and ask you to pray about what God would tell you. I've asked myself and Jesus this question over the last few months as I've served as interim. Um, What does being a lead pastor mean? Uh, God, what what does that look like? What, what, What do you want a lead pastor to be? And I believe that the title lead pastor could could be easily changed to lead server, lead equipper, lead learner, lead team leader. That God has impressed on me that this role should be one that is not on the top of the proverbial pyramid of authority, but the role of support and of servant. The lead pastor isn't the person who does all the work of the kingdom, him or herself. That, that is not 
how it's designed to be. The lead pastor doesn't seek after the credit or the attention, but the scripture says that the lead pastor is the leader of empowering the team. And you're the team. (laughs) If you decide to make Erie First your home or you're a Christian, you're a believer in Jesus, you are the team. And I'm going to read it to you because I'm not making this up. It's actually in here. Ephesians 4, 12 through 13, it says this, that there, the pastor's responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ, until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature and full-grown in the Lord, measuring up to the full stature of Christ. And so I'm really believing that the primary job of the pastor, the primary job of the staff here is to help everyone discover their gifting, unlock the dream that God has put in, in their heart, and resource them and support them to be able to do the things that will plug them into the place in the church that will make the biggest splash for the kingdom of God. Because together, we can accomplish so much more than alone. And that was God's design for the church. I believe as a team, God can and will move in ways that we can't even dream. And I am impressed that we must be a church of players on the field, not fans in the stands. A church of contributors, not just consumers. I want this to be a place that each of us own, that each of us say, God, what can I give? What can I do for this community, for this kingdom, for this church? And in regards to the team, um, I, people have asked me this question, and so I just wanted to, uh, I expressed it to the council, and I want to express it to you as well, uh, specifically the staff team. I believe that we need a a congregation that looks like our community, and and therefore we're going to need people on staff that are are male and female, people that are different generations represented, people that have varying experience, people that can bring different gifts to the table. My intention is to to build and create our staff so that we can represent all generations, uh, male and female gender, all from the top to the bottom, so that we can all connect and move forward as a kingdom. But this is just part of my story. I could tell you lots of other embarrassing things about Joel if you email me. No, just kidding. (laughs) This is just part of my story. This is just part of of things I could share so much more about my experiences with Kyalpha and and with other ministry experiences. But like I I started today, I, I think it has very little to do with my story. But it's about a bigger story. It's about a kingdom story, a story that God has been writing long before I ever came to this church, and a story that God will write long after we're all gone, because he has a purpose and a plan for his church. And as I, I just prayed, God, okay, Lord, what, what, is, what is the vision for Erie First? They asked me to share the vision. What's the vision? And I felt like God say to me, that the vision for Erie First is found in the scripture because it's the vision he has for his church. It's not some, uh, you know, thing that we kind of dream up and, oh, this is our creative way of saying it. I look to the scripture, and out of the scripture, out of these primary two passages, I believe that God gives a very specific um, instructions of what the church of God should look like. All right, so do you want to know? Okay, good. Let's read Matthew 28. Uh, 19 through 20, and then also Acts 2, 42 through 47. You can follow along on the screen or in your Bible. The first one says, Therefore, 
Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In Acts 2, 42, 47, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together, had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So here are six specific things that I believe if we do these things, if, if forever, if we do these things, then we will align with God's will and God's purpose for the church. All right? So the first one is this anchor. And what this image represents is anchored teaching. Anchored teaching. In Matthew 28, it says that um, the disciples, we should teach them to obey. So we must have something to teach them about, right? To teach them to obey. And in Acts 2, the people were devoted to the apostles' teaching, which means devoted is a word for committed, focused on, narrowed in on. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And our church must be centered on the word of God. The voices of culture, the voices of media, are loud, and they will probably get increasingly louder. And we will be committed to hearing God's voice above all the noise, above all the clatter of empty promises, above all of the political banter, above all of the, well, churches should be this, or religiously correct, or politically correct. Above all of that, we'll go to the Word of God and determine and decide if what is being said aligns with the Word of God or doesn't. Our church must be not afraid to accept the challenges in the word of God. And I am confident in its infallibility and timelessness. We may not understand, but we have to trust that what he is saying is infallible and timeless. I believe the word is relevant and applicable to every heart, both men and women, young and old. And the Holy Spirit's job is to quicken to the heart of the listener and, and I really am confident that any vessel, man or woman, can communicate effectively, not because of their excellence, but because of the excellence and authority of the Word of God. So if someone is up here sharing, it doesn't really matter if they're man or woman, old or young, good looking or not. If they have the Word of God in them, and that's what they're talking about, then the excellence and the authority of the Word of God can can. Uh, beat all of that, and the Holy Spirit can quicken it into our hearts. And so our church must be a people committed, sold out to, focused on the scripture, that we believe it is the inspired by God, profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that will hide it in our hearts, that will, will cling to it, for it is the very speaking voice of God. I believe that we need to work really hard that our kids are receiving the word of God deep in their hearts. That, that the youth are understanding the word and applying it to make pivotal decisions. That, that the men and women of this church know this book. That this would be the thing we filter all things through. That we would often ask, what, what does the Bible say about it? And if we don't know, we dig until we find out. 
We will teach the Word of God every chance we get, and we will center programs around knowing and understanding the Word of God because it is a speaking voice, and we need to be anchored in its teaching. All right, second. Second one is spirit-led worship and prayer. Um, Matthew 28 uh, tells us to make disciples and baptize them. If you remember, say it with me, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Acts 2 references the same focus on teaching as they have on prayer. So it's saying, be devoted, be committed, make sure you're centered in on prayer, because that is what the, we're saying happens. And then verse 43 says, because they devoted themselves to prayer, the signs and wonders that were happening had everyone in awe. Because they were devoted to prayer. And so this image is a compass. And what compasses do, oh, get this, I'm so excited about this. Compasses are direction-finding instruments. So when we want to find our direction, we need to go into worship and prayer. When we want to make sure our hearts are aligning, when at a compass you aim for the needle to be aligned with true north, right? And so you, you kind of move around until that compass gets to true north. Through worship and prayer, the Holy Spirit will align us to true north, which is the heart of God. And so that must always be a focus for us. Revelation 2.4 reminds us to never forsake our first love. And our worship to God must always center around exalting him and loving him. And the worship at Erie First will be careful to never shift into performance. Or never shift into focusing on simply excellence. Well, we sounded good today. That will never be our focus because entering God's presence and connecting with him through worship will be a core value that will keep us on the path of true north. It will keep the compass. Our church must be a house of prayer. We must learn to be people who abide in him constantly like Ephesians 6.18 describes. People who seek our deepest delight in searching for the heart of God. And I believe we must be intentional to build prayer into the visible life of our church at all levels. We, we need to increase our capacity to pray in faith and, and believe in the possibility of what God can really do. Joel and I just had dinner with Gary and Katrina recently, and we talked about that, that we can believe what we say we do. We need to lean into the prophetic Lean into the part of the Holy Spirit that is teaching us what we are supposed to do, that is leading us in a way that, that is supernatural. We need to learn how to lean into that, and we need to be a church that walks out what we believe about the Holy Spirit, a place that the, the gifts can be honored and point people to Jesus and never pull them away. We need to be very careful to balance that line, but gifts that are used and honored and manifested in a way that bring people to Jesus, that will keep us on true north. All right, the third one, um, redemptive community. Now, this image of this lighthouse, I feel has been a significant image for our church. And, and maybe, uh, it, maybe some of it has to do with um, when we did a masterful stage production, when the, the Henningers uh, put their heart and soul, and many other of you, into a, a play called The Lighthouse, this production that was entitled this. And that really began to define what our hearts were in this church. And in Acts 2, the passage paints this picture of community. Remember when we read it, it says, they ate together, prayed together, cried, rejoiced. They played words with friends. I'm kidding, that's not really in there. But they had, 
the substance of life. They had the substance of life. The community described here is not superficial. It is, it is sincere. It's not just throwing parties and only going skin deep. It's redemptive. I use the, the adjective redemptive. And when, when, uh, when I was talking through this this week with, with Jason Bennett, he said, what do you mean by that? And this is what I meant. It's what God designed for community. There's a lot of places out there where you can find community, but it isn't what God designed. What God designed is a place where you can find real life purpose behind doing life together. And that takes commitment. That takes commitment to Jesus, commitment to each other. That takes commitment to have unoffendable hearts. That takes commitment to not run when things get hard. That takes commitment when you come up with this really good idea and someone decides not to use it. (laughs) That takes commitment when uh, life is messy, but in our mess, God shows up the best. And redemptive community takes openness and honesty. It, It requires us to get real with each other and and get transparent. And this type of community isn't easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. But its results are invaluable. Good community is a place where people feel valued and people be held accountable. And let me tell you this, when redemptive community is in full swing, maybe what describes it the best is Matthew 5.14 that says this, you are the light of the world, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. All right, fourth, purposeful outreach. In Matthew 28, uh, the verb in that scripture is go. Go. Go, 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 go. He says go. You know, God is already on the move. I believe that. He, he wants the people of Erie to love him more than we can ever want it. He, he wants us to make um, a priority in our endless options of opportunity to allow opportunity for people to uh, engage in the Holy Spirit of God and, and to be connected to the kingdom. Let's be a church that looks for how God is moving and partner with him with those opportunities. God, who can Erie first reach? Who are you sending us to? What resources do we have to offer? We say yes. <laughs> Wherever you tell us to do, wherever you tell us to outreach, we say yes, even if it's the hard kind, even if it's the people that when they come, it causes us problems. They're going to bring their coffee in the sanctuary. (laughs) Maybe it's people that we might have a difficult time with, but coffee's okay in the sanctuary, by the way. I was just making a joke. You didn't laugh that hard at that one. But here's the deal. Who are you sending us to? God is asking us to love people on purpose. And we have the best message of all time. We have a life filled with purpose and significance, a life guaranteed to end in victory, and he is asking us to provide the rescue. We all need rescued from something, from the pain or the hurt in our life. And that's why I chose the image of a life preserver when I thought of purposeful outreach. Because God is asking us to take the message of God, the gospel and the message of grace and to take it to a hurting and broken world. And I believe that the Lord Jesus viewed the winning of one soul as worth more than the whole world. He gives so many parables of that, and he spent much of his time, Jesus came to earth, and he spent much of his time talking with one person at a time about his relationship with God. And you know what that says to me? One person, one story, one rescue at a time 
on purpose, on purpose. And that is what God is asking us to do as a church. Uh, This last one is radical generosity, radical generosity. Um, In Acts 2, it says they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And I believe, uh, in fact, in Acts 2, they talk about that community literally eliminated poverty. They eliminated it. No one was poor because they gave of what they had. And I believe to align with what God has in mind for his church, we have to become people who give generously often. And not only of our money, but of our time, of our energy, of our giftings, that our church must keep working to increase the participation of generosity, that every single person gives their time, that every single person gives their possessions, that every single person gives their money, that there would be more participation in that. And here's why. In a world enslaved by the love of money, a lifestyle of radical generosity will proclaim to the world that Jesus is the most valuable treasure in the universe. That he is the one that, that owns it all anyway. I, I love uh, the passage in the, in the scripture where it talks about he owns all the cattle on all the hills. And, and as a church full of people who give cheerfully and willingly and hopeful, I believe that we can give, we can take care of the things we need to at home. We can pay our bills. We can, we can take care of those things that we need here. But also we can give more to ministry and give more to missions and, and give more away to expand the kingdom of God. Our church, I believe, will give to advance God's kingdom at home and abroad, and I believe that when you get to heaven, that you will meet people all across this city and all across this world that were changed because the people of Erie First invested and sacrificed. I believe that will happen someday. All right, lastly, and ultimately, If I had one image or one picture that I wanted to bring to you today, it would be this last one. And the last one is life change. We have to be a church that produces life change through the preaching of the gospel and the grace of Jesus. Whatever level of spirituality you come into this family, whether it's your very first time you're trying to figure out if Jesus is real and you're accepting him as your savior, or if you've, you've literally sat in the seat you're in today for longer than 30 years, okay? And you have come every week and you have sat in that literal seat. This is what God is asking us to do is that we must be transformed and renewed day by day that no one leaves the same. And the wheel of the ship is actually the thing that changes the angle of the rudder. It changes the direction of the ship. So if you want to go a different direction, you have to change the wheel of the ship to get you there. The scripture over and over and over calls us to grow up. To grow up into holy people who chase after God's heart. The Holy Spirit beckons us to change. And truly, the only real way to live for Christ is growing and changing. That's the only way. That's why it hurts a little bit. 
But as a church, let's ask Jesus for more lives changed, for more marriages restored, for more addictions healed, for more young people called to missions, for more impact on this city, for more hearts turning to him, for more of those things, because he is the one who can turn the ship. And if we say, God, change our direction, he will answer that prayer. And so life change is such an important value. We don't want to play church. No one wants to do that. But if you can come here and you can have a significant face-to-face experience with the presence of the Holy Spirit, I guarantee you that your life will change. And it will change week after week after week because that is who he is. And that is the excellence of the, of the word of God. And that is the, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that's what happens when we have redemptive community. And we don't just sort of have fun together, but we decide to really care for one another. And we spread the gospel and we rescue people out of their pain and their sin and their shame and their guilt. And then we give in ways that we never thought we could. That all produces life change. And then we stand in a place before God and we say, Lord, we did all that we could. And God says, well done. Well done. You did what I asked you to do. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up here. And would you stand, actually, would you stand? And I'm so impressed to end this way. In fact, oftentimes when you write a message, you start from the beginning. This time, God had me start from the end. (laughs) I had the end figured out before I ever had the beginning. And this is why. These images all relate to... um, like a ship metaphor. And the ship represents the church. And these are the values that if we align with them, if we're careful to align with these values, then the ship will be toward kingdom purpose. It is when we begin to go outside of these things or try to accomplish things that God didn't ask us to, that is when our direction can get us off course. And I believe that ultimately, each of your lives cumulatively make up the ship of your first. That this isn't just a place we come, this isn't just a building we're in, but you are the church church is you. You're the church. And so each of you kind of drive your own little ship and we all make up one big ship. I don't know, the metaphor kind of goes off somewhere, but you got me, right? That's where we're going. And so here's the thing. We all have things that weigh us down. We have things that that make us heavy. We have things that bind us up. Life's circumstances, things you never chose for your life, but you are sitting in the middle of that circumstance right now. Choices maybe that you made, but you are dealing with the consequence of. Uh, Sin that you're entangled in, even as we speak. Attitudes you carry, offenses, bitterness, things that maybe have happened to you in these church walls by these people that you just can't let go because you have been hurt. Heartaches that are unexplained. Depression, anxiety that maybe derail you. We have chains. And chains sometimes literally sink the ship of our spiritual life. They sink us. And chains can literally sink the ship of the church. I believe that. But I also believe that the bottom line and the heart of the matter today is that life change is available. And that what Jesus wants for us 
is life change, and he won't stop until he has broken every chain. He won't stop. He has the power to do it. He's able, and he won't stop until he does that. And so I want to close us today with Psalm 18. Listen to it. It says, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my savior, just like the word we got today. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me in my place of safety. I call on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. The ropes or the chains of death entangled me. Floods of destruction swept over me. The grave wrapped its ropes around me. Death laid a trap in my path. But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help, and he heard me from his sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ears. And as I prayed this week and over the last several weeks, I felt the Lord say to me, can you hear it? And I want to ask you that today. Can you hear it? Your first assembly, can you hear it? If you listen closely, can you hear prophetically the chains falling off? That the chains of your life, that the chains of even that has happened within this church, that the chains are falling off. It is 